Serve one another. You see someone with a flat tire, pull over and help them out. Serve one another. That's love. The love of serving. Or helping a little old lady across the street if she can't cross herself. Going out of your way to help someone because you really care for them. That's the love that Christ is talking about. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. As Raul continues our focus today on the Lord's life-shaping love, he'll challenge us to start this new year with the goal of showing others the same compassion God has shown us. As our world goes deeper and deeper into spiritual darkness, we need encouragement to remember that as Christians, we're representatives of the Lord and our lives can reflect the grace and mercy of our Heavenly Father. Here's Raul Reese in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with the second part of the lesson, How We Should Be Walking in Love. When you say you're a child of God, do you love one another? There should always be that love factor in the body of Christ. We should not be striving with one another or jealousies. We should not be angry at one another. We should not retaliate against one another. So when a non-believer comes into the church, they can see the love of Christ. They can see the brotherly love that we have for one another. When we were, you know, back in the hippie days, we used to sing a song, love, love, love. We all got together and we all sang and we all swayed back and forth, love, love. You know, it was so cool. Because we really felt, and when you came into the tent at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, when you walked in, the first thing that just blew you away, you know what it was? You felt loved. Sometimes you walk into some churches and you feel like you're in a refrigerator. It's cold. If we truly have love, they should be able to feel the love that the body of Christ has here for them. In John 15, 2, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit and then in Romans 12 9 let love be without hypocrisy hate what is evil glue yourself to that which is good Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I love it. Serve one another. You see someone with a flat tire, pull over and help them out. Serve one another. That's love. The love of serving. Or helping a little old lady across the street if she can't cross herself. Going out of your way to help someone because you really care for them. That's the love that Christ is talking about. 1 Peter 1.22 Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit of sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Don't be a hypocrite. Oh brother, I love you. <laughs> 
You don't know if they have a knife or not. But surely when we bear witness with one another or they go, brother, I love you so much. And you're talking, they walk away. Did you see what? (laughs) That's not love. You're a hypocrite, backstabber. You see, we should really love one another. And then in 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, And above all these things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Imagine that. You're not forgiving sin, but when you forgive someone, how good and how blessed it is to know, man, they've forgiven me when I stole from them. Heavy. I had to do that. Forgive them. God will deal with it. Hey, I want to see them in the kingdom of God. But if you don't forgive them, they get hurt, they get bitter, and then maybe even walk away from the Lord. And we allow that to happen because we did not forgive them. We have to be careful. We have to believe what Jesus said. Jesus forgave every person that came to him. We must do the same. First John 2.10 He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. 1 John 4, 21, and this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Isn't that interesting? And yet, check this out. I'm going to prove it to you. You have brothers and sisters. Think of how many brothers and sisters don't love each other. Hate each other. And they're Christians. How can you be a Christian and love your brother or your sister? You're a hypocrite. That's your flesh and blood. Who cares what they do to you? You have to be able to forgive and to forget what they've done to you in loving them because of their souls. And yet there are pastors and there are leaders and there are sheep and there are lambs and they get up and they speak beautiful words and then they themselves do not believe what they preach because they're not forgiving. They're not forgiving to their families. May God tonight baptize us with His love for one another. Because when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, They were a very carnal people and they had all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, you can speak in tongues. You can have the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. You can discern spirits. You can have all 21 gifts of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't have love, you are nothing. Nothing. He says, you're actually sending out empty words. You're just making a bunch of noise bunch of noise. You're nothing. How we need tonight to ask God to fill our hearts with His love. Why? Because Christians belong to the same family. Hey, we're a family. Not just a church. We are a family. If we spend hours here on earth together, Monday, Wednesdays, and Sundays, imagine we're going to spend all eternity together in heaven. Forever and ever and ever. That makes us family. Because we've been born again of the Holy Spirit. And God desires that we would be a great family. We have the same Father in heaven. 
that loves you, that loves me. And if he loves me, then I need to love you just like he loves you. You see? That's what it's all about. In fact, we are taught of God to love one another. God the Father taught us to love each other when he gave who? His son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. That is the greatest love. The greatest example was Jesus. Coming out of all eternity to come down to this earth where he was rejected, he was spit upon and they slapped him and then they put nails through his hands and his feet and then they put a crown of thorns on his head and they hung him on that cross for three and a half hours and then when he died they, put, they actually took a spear and they pierced his side and the spear went through his armpit and it ruptured the heart and the water and the blood came forth Medically speaking, Jesus Christ died for you and for me of a broken heart. A broken heart for you and me. Because he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. That's why in 1 John 4.19 he says, We love him because he first loved us. He first loved us. We did not love him. He loved us first. You see, and I'm learning how to love him now. God's son taught us to love one another. When he said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has taught us and is teaching us to love one another. When he poured out his love, the love of God in our hearts, when we trusted in him, in Romans 5, 5, he says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has been pouring out love in your hearts. No excuse. Because a Christian has God's nature. He loves because God is love. Second Peter 1.4 By which have been given to us exceeding and great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In 1 John 4.8 He who does not love does not know God for God is love. Faith, hope, and love have been the distinctive characteristics of the Thessalonian Christians. Remember the beginning of chapter 1? Faith, hope, and love. From the beginning. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God the Father. And remember Timothy has reported the good news through this love. So Paul, not exhorting them, acquired something they did not already possess. And that was what? Paul showed them the greater way of love in the church of Thessalonica. He was encouraging them to get more and more and more love in their lives. We can never, never have too much Christian love. That's something we can never get tired of. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Our goal is to enrich your understanding of who God is and help you discover His will for your life. 
Visit us at somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. You can also download our app for a wealth of Bible-based resources. Now here's Raul Reese once again with the final part of our study from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul had prayed that their love might be increasing and abounding. Increasing and abounding. Again, in 2 Thessalonians 1, three, he says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because of your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you is abounding towards each other. You see? Towards each other. Love is the circulatory system of the body of Christ. For if our spiritual muscles are not exercised, the circulation is impaired. It's of no value without the love of Christ, without loving one another, then we are nothing. We're not even a church. We need to exercise love with one another. Why? The world is watching us. Every day at the place of work, in the schools, in your neighborhood, in the grocery store, wherever you go, they're watching you today. And they'll watch you the rest of your lives. Secondly, verse 11 and 12. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we command you. That you may walk properly toward those who are outside. That you may lack nothing. Here now he's going to talk to us about walking in quietness and minding our own business. Here Paul, we have now sharing with us how believers witness to those who are outside of the Christian fellowship. Who's that? The non-believer. Your neighbor, your boss, your employees, the doctor, the nurse, the dentist. Whoever may be, the policeman, the fireman, wherever your occupation may be tonight, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, we are supposed to be a light on a hill shining forth for everybody to see us. Here in chapter 4, verse 12, the word is translated honestly. In the authorized version, it carries the meaning of becomingly or seeming way. It is translated decently in 1 Corinthians 14.40. It comes from the adjective is kunean, which means an elegant figure or sharply or graceful or comely, bearing oneself becomingly in speech or behavior. That's what it means. We need to be that. The emphasis is on the believer's witness to those who are outside of the church, the non-believer. They're watching you. We are Christians, not only Christians, but we have an obligation of loving one another, but also to be good testimonies to those in the world. The way we respond, the way we deal with things in our life, the way we deal when we're under pressure. You see, as Christians, people are watching us. They're watching to see how you're going to react. And yet Paul here was concerned that the Thessalonians at the same time would earn their own wages, not become freeloaders depending on support by the non-believer. There were a lot of people in the early church that because the Lord was coming, they were quitting their jobs and just kicking back. Hey, the Lord's coming. Don't have to work. 
Paul says, if you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> he told them that. Think of how many people today that can work but don't want to work. And our taxes pay for those people. A lot of them. As a child of God, we have to have a great witness, what? In our jobs. Faith is going out and knocking on doors and trying to make applications and write out whatever experience you have. And then they'll call you or, you know, or write there, they'll hire you. But to just stay home and say, I'm just going to pray and wait on the Lord because the Lord guides and leads and provides. He will, he'll never do that. Never do that. And if you do have a job, make sure you're a good witness when you work. Taking your coffee breaks when you're supposed to take them. When you're working, not talking while you're supposed to be working or being on the phone. You see? They're not paying you to talk to your neighbor or your loved one or your sweetheart. We have to be a good witness. If you're a plumber, then be a good plumber. If you're a fireman, be a good fireman. If you're a policeman, be an honest policeman. Have integrity wherever you work. Paul here is encouraging us to do that. Something else in verse 11, he tells us, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. It seems like a little paradox here, but if you are ambitious, your life will probably not be quiet. Why? Because you'll want to tell everybody what God is doing in your life. But here, the emphasis is on quietness of mind and heart. That inner peace that enables a Christian to be sufficient and at rest and peace through faith in Jesus Christ. Where people can see the peace of God in your life. That's what he's talking about. Proverbs 17 says this. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of fisting with strife. Ecclesiastes 4.6 Better a handful of quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12 he says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love one to another and to all just as do we to you. And through that love that God gives to us and that peace that comes through Jesus Christ. Paul says to us, listen, when you get a job, make a good living, but have a good witness. A testimony is the most important thing. Because Paul did not want the saints to be leeching off other people. There's a lot of people that do that today. They leech off other people. And I don't mind helping people, but when a person takes advantage of the situation, then that's when we say, nope, we're not going to do it. Sorry. Get a job. Because people will take advantage of you. They'll take advantage as much as you give to them. They will do that. Even family will do that. The Greeks were the most despised at working because of the slavery that they had going. And at that time, the slaves were beaten. The slaves were abused and used all the time. And yet, who are we? We are slaves of Christ. We are servants of the Lord. A Galilee slave. The one that was not at the top. The one that was on the bottom of the ship. Rowing. You see? By choice. I don't have to be a slave. I want to be a slave for Christ. That's what Paul's talking about here. Paul himself was a tent maker. He made tents. And then he preached. 
He was careful in the church to set an example for hard work, not loving enough people and, and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, can you hand me a buck or two can, just so I can buy some bread and this and that? No, Paul worked in the morning. He preached in the afternoons and preached at night. He was a tent maker. He made a living with his own hands. As believers who are about our father's business and we don't have time, we say, but we desire to meddle in the affair of others, that's not of the Lord. That's not of the Lord. As believers, we need to be careful in our relationships with those that are outside of the church to be a witness and to win them to Christ. That's the biggest thing. We want to win them to Christ. When you're working with them, work hard so they can see Christ in you. You don't want them going home and talking about how lazy you are and how you loaf. And when you get your paycheck, make sure you earn it. Not cheating in the hours. Not taking pencils and paper from your job. That's stealing. But if you're a Christian, you have to be honest in business. Honest in business in what you do. Let me give you several good reasons why Christians should work. Number one, to provide for their own families. In 1 Timothy 5.8, But if anyone does not provide for his own especially for those of his household, check this out, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I didn't say that. The Holy Spirit said that. You're worse than an infidel. Secondly, to be able to give to those who have need. We work and we have so that we can give and help. Ephesians 4.28 Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him work, working with his hands what is good, that we may have something to give who has need. You see? Who he has need. We help. Work is not a curse. It's a blessing. Genesis 1.28 That God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 2.15 And then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend that and to keep it. Way from the beginning of time, our first father Adam was working in the garden of Eden. Genesis 3.17 And then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I command you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So if you want to blame it, he says, What? The woman's sin. But don't blame it on your wife. God already is taking care of that. You see? But from the beginning, God says it's good to work. The toil. That's our hope that today's message has been a motivation for you to look for new ways you can show others the mercy and goodness of God. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear today's entire message, we'll send you a copy for a gift of $5 or more. Just call 800-634-9165 and mention today's lesson titled, How We Should Be Walking in Love. Now, before we tell you how to get the entire series we're airing, we want you to hear from our radio ministry director, Melinda Reese, with some very exciting news. Melinda? 
Yes, Jeff. Thank you so much. I just wanted to let everybody know that we are going back to the Ark. The Ark is in Kentucky, and I'm not sure if everybody is aware that they built an exact replica of the Ark that they speak about in the Bible. And also, we will be visiting the Creation Museum, which is an experience in itself. We will be going April 11th through the 14th. So we just wanted everybody to save the date, and more information will come as we get closer. That is exciting, Melinda. Well, be sure and save the date for a family trip to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum, April 11th through 14th. We'll have more information as it becomes available. Now, as we've mentioned, we'd like to tell you about this entire love series we have on MP3. All 25 lessons have been conveniently compiled on a USB drive that you can take with you and review anytime. As you think about the amazing love that paid for your salvation and has given you the hope of eternal life, you'll be stirred to share those rich blessings with those around you. So don't wait. To order Rawls Love Series on MP3, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send you a flash drive with all 25 messages for just $25. That's $1 per lesson. Our number again is 800-634-9165. To order by writing us, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. This is a listener-supported ministry. Thank you for partnering with us. Your donations are a blessing, and every contribution you make is tax-deductible. Thanks again for making time to be with us today. On the next Somebody Loves You Radio, Raul will take us back to the pages of God's Word so that we can learn how to love the Lord Jesus with our whole heart and follow His commands with faithfulness. Be sure and join us. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.